Hey everybody, Brad Souza here, CTO at AVI Systems, and have I got a question for you that I never imagined I would ever ask. How do you lead tech for a company started by one of our country's founding fathers? Like a revolutionary war hero, like Paul Revere. Well, today on Eyes and Impact, we have Chuck Sharnagel, CIO of Revere Copper, the first manufacturing company of any kind in our country. Now, Chuck has got a really diverse background in IT leadership, from manufacturing to software to tribal government, and the melding of his experiences has created a super interesting perspective on tech and leadership. So in this episode, we'll unpack how you lead innovation in a company that's over 200 years old and lead it in a way that moves forward the business of that company while at the same time honors the tradition and history that's made that company great. We'll talk about why our industry teaches emerging tech leaders to say no, like to everything that's the first answer. And then as a result, we will all wrestle with the IT neglect that's sure to follow. And we'll talk about why IQ isn't the main thing that makes an IT leader amazing. Sure, it's, it's important. We value IQ and the skill set that comes with it. But today's tech leaders also need a high dose of EQ and AQ to really lead a team of engineers and creative problem solvers. But before we unbox all of this, I want to take a moment and say thank you to our friends at Logitech who have sponsored Eyes on Impact. And as a result, given all of us new tools that we can use to be the kind of problem solver that we want to be. So what do you say? You ready for all of this? Well, I am. So let's get after it. Well, Chuck, it is an honor to have you here with us on Eyes on Impact. Um, as we've prepped, as I've prepped for this call today, there's been several things that I think I've learned about you. Uh, and I'm just excited about having a conversation around your leadership style, how you see IT moving forward, your company, all the kind of great things. Before we get started in the tech conversation and the leadership conversation, how about we just spend a few minutes and get to know Chuck Sharnagel. So how did you how did you get involved in the industry? What drew you into this crazy world of tech and oh. How'd that all start for you? Well, first of all, Brad, thanks so much for having me on. I, I certainly appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's funny, looking back, I really didn't think I was going into IT back in high school. Uh, that wasn't the original plan. Uh, I was big at played a few sports. I loved drama. Uh, when I got into college, I actually took a drama class. They wanted me to continue. And then I kind of waited and said, gee, do I want to eat? Yeah, I do. So I better have a real <laughs> occupation. Uh, and, and that's got into IT. IT was a hot thing back in the eighties, you know, it was kind of hitting, um, and I yeah. liked the dynamics of computers and I thought, Hey, this is something that's going to be around for a while. So I, I can always find a job and, uh, got into it, liked it. But to be honest with you, I like the business side of it, uh, even more. And it, oh, it, it awesome. allows me to understand, you know, what's going on in the business while impacting a particular uh, vertical piece of that business. So I, I think part of the message I heard was I, I like drama, so I got into IT. Is that part of the message well, I think that, I heard? Yeah, that in management, right? You know, <laughs> part of being a manager is definitely understanding the drama that goes on. 
Yeah, for sure. Now, you've had a really fascinating journey. I mean, you, you've been in software development, you've been in manufacturing, you've been in tribal government. Yep. How did those experiences shape your view on what IT leadership looks like? You know, the nice thing about the, the background that I have is I've touched a lot of different areas. So, you know, I like to think that I've got you know, experiences in many different places so that I haven't always learned how to do one thing. I've got a lot of input from a lot of really great people. You know, partway through my journey, I have to work for a couple of guys at Black & Decker and uh, fantastic Jeez. leaders. Uh, you know, just I really learned some basics and I followed them from Black & Decker to Fruit of Loom and then I followed one of them on to EMC. So through those three, you know, periods of my life, I had some, you know, people kind of watching me and helping me grow. And I, I learned some valuable lessons, you know, uh, during that time period. So, so you've had some good mentors, it sounds like, that help yep. shape some of your thinking. Give me, give me an idea of, a, of an aha moment as a young, well, aspiring IT leader that began to kind of shape and who you are today. Well, when I was at Black & Decker, one of the things that, that kind of hit me was we had a, a logo that was one of the most popular logos uh, in, in the world at the time. And this was back in the yeah. 90s. And, and it wasn't a huge company. It was a multi-billion dollar enterprise, but it was fairly small as far as the Fortune 500. And my manager looked at me one day and he said, you know, we're a manufacturing company. We do two things. We, ha we have to make sure two things occur. We have to ship product and we have to pay people. So what are, all the other things that go into it, those two things have to happen for us to survive. And he brought that up as a point because we were looking at some systems and it was, okay, Chuck, how many, how many drills do we have to sell to pay for that? Is that going to happen? And at that point in my career, I'd never thought about, you know, what does it really take? It was, oh, well, we need three more servers and we need, to, you know, so many more PCs or we need to buy this package. So we just need to do it. Yeah, but by yeah. putting it in that context, it was, okay, we sell drills for $92 and we're looking for something that's going to cost $76,000. Are we really going to help the business grow that much to offset it? Is it really worth it to me? And since then, I carry that with me wherever I go. And I, I've shared that with my team at Revere, the same thing. Look, great shiny objects are all well and good, but are they going to move the needle enough to pay for themselves and, and provide um, the value? And if it doesn't, then we shouldn't be looking at that new bright, shiny object. Yeah, that's a great story. I had a meeting not so long ago with a customer as a healthcare provider. And one of the questions that they asked me, we're looking at, a, at an initiative around um, uh, uh, patient edutainment, you know, teaching patients how to care for themselves before they're discharged, things like that. And his question to me was, you know, Brad, help me rationalize why spending the money here rather than buying a new MRI or buying uh, you know, a new surgical suite or whatever it is, uh, help me understand what the, what the impact is to our patients as opposed to taking money away from direct care right. for, you know, a child in a, in a NICU as an example. And so I love that mindset. That's really great. Well, and, and that's the thing that people don't sit back often enough. We, we get too focused on our department and our things versus <laughs> yeah. looking at what the business is. 
know, one of the things that I don't like is people will always say, oh, you know, you need to make sure IT is aligned with the business. Well, I have a couple problems with that. First of all, of course, IT should be aligned with the business. That, right. that, that There's no two ways about that. Why do we pick on IT and say, well, you should be aligned with the business? Not <laughs> only should IT be aligned with the business, but the legal department should be aligned with the business. Finance should be aligned. HR, everybody needs to be aligned with the business. It's important that all of us are in the same boat and we're rowing in the same direction. It's not just IT that gets in their own boat and rows away. Other yeah. departments do that as well. And it, it behooves all of us to understand why are we here? You know, we're, we're here to improve shareholder value. There's no doubt about that. But how are we doing it? And are we doing it the right way? Well, you know, you talk about shareholder value. I know that that Revere Copper is an ESOP, it's employee-owned. We are too. Mm-hmm. That creates a amazing culture around how people align and support one another. Let's talk about Revere Copper for a moment. I'd like to learn a little bit more about that. In, in you, that your company has got a really interesting history and story Excellent. to it. Am, am I right that Revere is not just a namesake, but it's actually tied back to the founding fathers? You know, it, it's it's unbelievable. Not only are we named after Paul Revere, but we've been uh, we are the oldest manufacturing company in the history of the United States. And wow. you know, it's a great story. Apparently, Paul Revere went and requested a loan to start this company, and he wanted to create copper to put around our uh, naval fleet because the British had uh, copper on their fleet, which helped protect the boats. So he wanted to do the same thing. So that's where it all started. We actually have a letter from Paul Revere, you know, a great history, a lot of pride in it. Uh, Apparently they had the Revere family in a few years back, you know, to celebrate one of the anniversaries. So it's just, you know, it was great. And it is great when you work at a place like a Black and Decker and a Fruit of Loom. There's history there. You're seeing your product. Here is the same thing. It's employee-owned, as you say. You can go yeah. out. You see the product. Everybody's working towards it. But it has it has great, tremendous history as well. That's that's awesome. I love that story. How you, you talk about um, tech being a business enabler, and I am totally on on board with that. Um, how does how does tech help Revere Copper keep its promise, move the business forward? Are there yeah. one or two challenges that in the business today that you can talk about that you think IT is particularly suited for helping out? Well, I think, you know, one of the, the challenges that I face is, you know, making copper is one of those businesses where, you know, you find yourself sometimes surviving despite everything. And, you know, the fact that you survived over 200 years is rather incredible. They've gone through, you know, many more downs than ups. The good news is over the last couple of years, uh, the the up has occurred more and it it is allowing them to grow and bring somebody like myself in to focus on IT and expand the team. Uh, But they've used IT in the past and technology in the past where you go out and you, you'll have a copper line that 50 years ago, 100 years ago, there were no computers attached to it. Now there are computers attached to all of the machines. Uh, they brought something in just this past year where 
uh, it is analyzing the copper as it's rolling through where it used to take a man or a woman to look at the copper, you know, see it by their eyes and determine, are we running? We should. And, and now the computer can analyze and make adjustments on the fly. So it's those types of things where you're improving the quality, you're improving the output, uh, and that's happening all the time. So it sounds like 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 tech is deeply integrated in how you deliver product, how you speak with customers, how you communicate value. It's deeply integrated. To your point, it's not a it's not a boat that the tech team gets in and rows away from a corporate meeting. It's actually in the boat alongside others moving the business forward. Absolutely. And, and it's only going to be ingrained even more in the years to come as we get up the uh, speed, uh, as I would say, with the rest of the back office applications, certainly out in the the plant, there are tremendous uh, opportunities for AI and other technologies to take us to higher and higher levels uh, as far as where we're at today. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about this idea of how tech impacts and changes the lives of people. Our, our vernacular around it at AVI is human impacts. Give me just a moment to kind of set up the premise here. So today we're the largest provider of technology solutions around video and collaboration in the world. Um, and so the tech that we deal with is like UC cloud services or broadcast or streaming or signage and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But what we end up actually delivering is are things like an office that you don't have to mandate to go back to. It, it's actually the tech in the office. It actually endears people to come and to collaborate or solutions that enable people all over the planet to share ideas and move ideas forward, build a community together and never even even though they've, they've never met each other personally, they feel this trust and connection to each other. So that's kind of the, the human side of what we do. Does this, this concept that it's more than just the spec, it's really how, it, how tech impacts people, does that resonate with you? What's your thoughts on well, that? Absolutely. And, and it's funny, in your business, I've actually been using this type of telecommunication since uh, Black & Decker. They, in sure. many of their plants all over the globe, they had set this up back in the 90s okay. to save costs. Because as you can imagine, when you're a global company, Back then, people were flying everywhere, so they wanted to cut that down. That's right. So I got exposed to it uh, in those days, and it was a great collaboration tools uh, tool, and we used it all the time. Mm -hmm. But certainly, if you fast forward to today, it allows so much more to happen. By being able to have just it on your laptop instead of a lot of expensive equipment in a dedicated room, which we had back in those days, right. uh, it, it allows people to be on vacation. Uh, get away, uh, but if if you're needed, they can still call in, uh, or they can plan a vacation around an important event because they can connect uh, for a short period of time, still make an impact. They can still be out with their family. We want people to enjoy their vacations, obviously, but sometimes yeah, you're sure. part of a project, and the project's been going on for two years. You deserve a vacation, but you still may <laughs> need to be involved. So the, the impact is real. You know, obviously we went through this during uh, COVID and, and having more people work from home, but on a regular scale, this is allowing us to, to utilize people, you know, 
let me let me step back if I could. Yeah, you know, please. the bottom line is is that we're located in Rome. That's the majority of where everything occurs. We just opened up a facility down in North Carolina. That's all well and good, but in the IT market, there aren't necessarily enough IT people located in Rome, New York. So Dude. by having this type of technology, I can now hire people in other parts of the country and have them work remotely and be have them be very successful. You know, so that's that's a huge impact. You know, if you have somebody that loves where they live, but they want to work for a company like ours, great. You know, by having this type of technology, it, it allows it to happen more frequently. Yeah, I love that. So early in my career, I spent um, a few years with the Navajo people and with the Hopi people. Yeah. And um, my my purpose of, of working in Four Corners, that part of the yeah. Southwest U.S., um, was to bring tech into these small Good. rural school districts. And uh, it was there that I think for the first time I... I saw how tech done right can absolutely change the lives of people. And I've, I've carried those stories forward. I mean, what it seems like you might have a story like that well, or two. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, working at Mohegan, we saw it all the time where the, the, the tribe would, the tribal government would utilize technology and impact people all the time. Uh, by providing yeah. different equipment to people that didn't have access to it. Uh, we saw it with working with other tribes, as you mentioned, where, you know, they're not uh, in in places and they would be impacted when they got Wi-Fi access uh, or computer access. Right. You know, things, it's almost like getting water these days. I mean, everybody That's has right. Wi-Fi. Everybody takes it for granted. But when you start dealing with people and they go, yeah, we don't have it here because we're in the middle of the desert, liter literally, uh, you know, and there's no cell towers around. When cell towers are built, you know, that makes a big difference. So whether it's a computer or the signal that gets there, any type of technology makes huge impacts to everybody. Yeah, that's so well said. So for an organization like, like Revere Copper that has the legacy that your organization has, how do you, how do you strike the balance between innovation moving forward and, and, and honoring the legacy and the history of the organization? How do you, how do you do that? Well, it, you know, I think, again, it goes back to what some of the things that I said earlier, what are we there for? You know, our job is to make copper yeah. and, and get copper out the door. And, you know, I've looked at my team over the last year and said many times, Okay, what's the impact of what we're doing? How can we, and how can we impact out there? You know, uh, my technology and uh, myself walk through the plant and we try to be proactive. You know, we see what people are doing. Okay, is there something that we can suggest? Are there other uh, tools? Are there other uh, applications, uh, hardware, whatever that we can suggest that may make an impact? And at the end of the day, we have to look at it and say, oh, you know what? There is something that'll make an impact there, but you know the the expense doesn't make it worthwhile. So we'll we'll keep an eye on it. If the price goes down, that's fine. If there is something that can make an impact, we bring it up to the other operational leaders and say, "Hey, have you thought about this?" Uh, one of the things that I want to do next year is get to more manufacturing conferences so that my team can be Jeez. exposed. What other things are out there? I mean. It, 
one of the challenges with Revere is we're probably like a lot of other organizations, particularly in IT. IT guys, the people that I have, the guys and gals get into their habits. And, you know, yes. you got to kind of kick them a little bit to get them to go look at something new, to bring in those vendors and, and kick the tires and see what else is out there. And they go, oh, you know, they want to go on a conference, but, but they have a project. Well, you always have projects. There's always something going on. You've got to break away and go look and see what else the, the marketplace is offering. And then you come back and, you know, you have those discussions. And sometimes what looked really good at the conference doesn't look so good when you come back because of cost, because implementation times or those types of things. But at the end of the day, have the discussion about it. Let people know that there are other technologies, other solutions out there and they're available. You know, how often do we hear from somebody, you know, oh, you know, this has been a pain for the last, you know, 18 months. Really? Well, if you had told us, I know of something that can fix that, you know? So Please. you've got to find a way to be a meeting in the middle, throwing up ideas and suggestions because there may be pain points that you're not aware of. And throwing up those ideas and suggestions because the people on the other side of the fence might be going, well, if I just had something that would do this, my life would be easier. So you've, you've got to find ways to answer the questions without being asked, if that makes sense. Yeah. So good. So um, I started my tech career in, in manufacturing, and it was uh, around um, fiber optic um, video systems. So I've been in this business for a while. I, I remember uh, at that time, our products were all made in the U.S. And my office was near the manufacturing Oof. facility for the, the products that we made. And I remember walking across the, the production floor and there was just rows and rows of people stuffing circuit boards and putting components and that kind of thing. And so I stopped and I, I asked this one gal, I said, so um, what, what are you making? And she goes, I knew she was making one of my products. Sure. And as a product manager, I was constantly fighting for space on the production line, right? And so I asked her, so what are you, what are you doing here? And she goes, I don't know. I'm just making this. And she showed it to me. And I said, so that's one of mine. Do you know who the customer is? She goes, I have no idea. Well, here, let me just take your traveler. So I took that and went back, looked it up and came back and said, so what you're making right now is the video transmission upgrade to the NASA command center in Houston. Wow. And she's like, wait, what? About that time I had four or five other people from the assembly line listening to the story. I never had a problem getting product made after that because every time I saw somebody working on something, I told them yeah. the purpose behind it. And it like created this energy around the value of what we, of what we do. It, it, that's, you know, I, I think that's, uh, how do I say it? I'm in agreement to share more information because, yeah. you know, when I worked at the Black and Deckers and Fruit of Looms and you could see your product out in the store, you know, if I was in the Home Depot and somebody's looking at a Makita drill, no, no, that's not what you want. Right. You, you want to buy the DeWalt. And, and you know why? Because I, I helped build those because I took a lot of pride in that. Yeah. And, yeah. and people do take pride in it. I mean, imagine how that person went home and goes, no, I'm making something that's going to be a NASA that's going to help put somebody on, on the move. That's right. You know, and, and yeah, it's a small piece of it, but without all those small pieces, it, it doesn't happen. So I, I think yeah. that's one thing that sometimes uh, 
on the business side, they forget that pride of what you do is important no matter what your job is. Even whether yeah. it's IT, the person assembling it, the, the person cleaning the office, whatever, everybody needs to be in that boat rowing together to get the, the finished product. Yeah. So you and I, as IT leaders, I mean, we're constantly, we've got, we've got one hand on reality of today and we've got our eyes looking over the horizon. How do you motivate your team to do the same, to imagine bigger, to, to imagine that this isn't just a, a, uh, initiative to migrate to some new cloud service or ERP right. platform. But it it really has an impact to the people who are going to consume it. How how do you do that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good uh, question. You, you know, you you've got to be good at telling stories and and getting people to buy in. You know, I so true. You know, you got to be yeah, able so to true. paint that picture. And unfortunately, I'm not very creative, so I'm not always good at that. But it, it's much like when a CIO comes into an organization, like I did a year ago. I have a. a a lot of people that have been in this organization, Revere's the type of place you don't leave. People stay there for 25 right. years. You know, I can't tell you how many people retire from there or leave and come back to there because it's just that type of business. So the two people reporting into me, I've been there 13 years and 10 years. Thus, eh. they have a way that they do everything. Eh. So I come along, I replace their boss who finally retires and I say, okay, the executive team wants some different things going on. I need to make some changes. And they're looking and going, wait, wait, changes. No, we, we've done everything this way for a long time. Why, why are we changing? And over the last year, I kept looking at my head of technology saying, you've got to trust me. You've got to take that leap of faith and hold my hand. Come with me. I will take you down the steps and I will protect you. It, it will be fine. And we're now a year into that cycle. We've had this discussion, literally this discussion. Jeez. And Jeez. I, I had this a follow-up just a few weeks ago. And I said, you know, Peter, we're in a much different place today than you thought we would be. And I know you think differently. And he goes, you're right. I do. I see it now. I see what you were talking about. So you've got to be able to communicate. You've got to be able to, to paint that picture. You've got to be able to use examples and walk people through logically and show them how you're getting there and, and show them as you're getting there. You know, as you're making progress, point it out. Hey, look at where we are today versus three months ago, six months ago. You know, the, the dots are starting to fill the picture in. Or, are they not? And they go, yeah, I feel a little bit better. And then three months later, they feel better. And, you know, I, I, I think that answers your question. Yes. Yeah, it does. I, and, I, and I agree with you. I, I, I think storytelling is so incredibly important. And, and teaching, you know, my, my reports, my, the people who report to me, the importance of imagining and telling a story right. about where we're going um, Very because at the at the essence of leadership is the ability to take people someplace they can't go on their own. Right. If they could, they wouldn't need you. Right. Right. And so helping people kind of imagine what that is and then create a plan or a pathway to find ourselves there. Well, it, you're right. And and when you know the CIO talks to the CEO, most of the time the CEO will say, you know, I don't know technology that well, and you know right. they're very quick to point that out. So it is your job to fill in those blanks. 
well, why do I need ERP system? Why do I need this system? Well, it does these things and it will give you these benefits. And you have to understand if you don't spell that out, they're not going to buy into it. And, you know, it is funny part. I'm an older guy. I've been around the block and I kind of know how to communicate much better today than I did 20 years ago. And, And I try to tell my team, listen, the reason we have goals is because you want to be able to make a case for yourself at the end of the year. You want a bigger raise? Well, your manager needs to justify to me, what have you done? Same thing. You want to go in and you want me to ask for a new system. You want us to get new technology, get funding. Well, I have to build the case. So if I go in there and say, well, my team wants this, and that's the end of the story, the CEO is going to go, yeah, so I don't care. But everybody wants something. Exactly. But if I can go in and say, you know, I'd like you to consider, you know, funding this project. You know, this is the cost, but here are the benefits. And I can walk through and I can tell that story and I can paint the picture of how much better off we're going to be at the end of the day, not just a return on investment, but, you know, how the impact to the team will be and the impact to the users will be. Then the CEO can sit back and go, oh, okay, I can see that. I understand. I've heard about those pain points. You're going to alleviate some of that. It's a reasonable cost. Here's the payback then it makes sense. But you've got to walk people through. You just can't go in and say, I want this, and and they're going to understand, because they don't. Yeah, for sure. I I want to, I'm going to stay on topic, but I'm going to transition us just a little bit, and I'm going to do my best not to put words in your mouth, but I think I've heard you say something like this. There's this thing uh, called IT neglect. It's where we don't do what we're supposed to do, Um, and, and we find ourselves, I think, your premise is that we find ourselves more upside down than right side up. And, and part of the reason we get there uh, is because as an industry, we've trained IT leaders to say no first. Yeah. That, it is, so talk about that a little bit. I'd love to hear more. Well, we had that problem you know, at Revere where when I first came in, I sat with a lot of the users and I just said, what's working, what's not working? Well, you know, they had their issues. And one of the things that they said was, IT always says no. And, you (laughs) know, that and, well, you always have the the customer is always right. Well, the customer is not always right in my mind. The customer has an idea of what they want. And sometimes we have to get them to the right place. And and they may not understand why they're not right. As far Mm -hmm. as saying no, you can't say no. Uh, but you, there are ways to say no while you're not saying no. You know, thought and reason and walking them through the scenario, there are maybe a lot of pieces of information they're not aware of. So a big part of our job in IT is to teach and train and, and explain. And I don't know that there's enough of that that goes on. Again, there are a lot of IT leaders out there that they can talk technology but they can't talk the reasoning and the business behind it. And I, I think that's the piece that's lost. They'd rather come out and say, well, no, we're not doing that. That doesn't make any sense. But the user is left sitting there going, "That's right. why? Uh, it makes sense to me. And if the user isn't satisfied, at the end of the day, we are a service you know, portion of the business. It'll, that's right. If, if the users don't want to use us, that's a problem. And 
Yeah. You know, I've, I've talked to and been in so many organizations where the CEO will say, my IT department, they don't understand what anybody wants. So they just go outside and they bring in people to handle, you know, whatever finance is asking for or other departments. And you have the shadow IT groups. How much money does that cost you at the end of the day? That's right. And they know that, but they don't fix IT. And just because somebody is really technical, I don't know that that means that person should lead an IT group. And you need to be able to have these other skills and understand what the what you're being asked, but more importantly, how to respond and what information should you give back? And yeah, the answer may be no, but it's often how you're saying those words. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the thread on that a little bit because I find this really uh, fascinating. This part of the conversation really engaging too. And that's uh, for so long in the IT space. I think we've promoted people who had a very strong IQ because they they had this unique skill set. It was tied to a unique technology or platform, and they could excel faster than anybody else. Whatever it was, whether it was code or hardware or whatever it was. Uh, today. I think equal to the IQ is an EQ. There's an emotional quotient that goes along with it. Because if they can't empathize with what the right. customer wants it to do, then they'll design something that meets the spec, but is never consumed. True. And, and then I would say that there's maybe even a step beyond that today that's more of an AQ and it's really around how adaptable are they because things change so fast. I'd love to hear your thoughts wow. on this. That's a lot right there. Um, yeah, because the adaptive is extremely important. I think that's one of the uh, principal requirement of IT people. You, you know, you yeah. need to understand when you get involved in a project or a request that things change and you just have to accept it. And I learned that a long time ago where you know, okay, we come in, we gather the requirements and then, you know, you're three days in, three weeks in, whatever. And the customer comes back and says, ah, we can't do it that way. You know what? We forgot we need this or the situation changed and people in IT lose their mind. You know, I've been coding, you know, for the last two weeks. Now you're asking me to change. Guess what? If the business changes, then the business changes and you need to change with the business and you've got to get it out of your head that well, I put this time in, so I've got to finish it. No, you don't. If the business says that that's no longer important, you've got to do it. And, you know, Brad, I think part of it is, is that there some people are good in different roles and, you know, you know and that's okay. Um, I've got some guys working for me. They're incredible developers. And when I've talked to them about these types of problems that we're having with our user community, you know, one of mine have looked at me and said, Chuck, I'm not a business analyst talking to the customer and gathering requirements. I'm not overly good at that. I'm good at writing code. And we have a lot of code writers. We don't have business analysts. And the user community continues to wonder why are we not giving them what they're looking for? And it's because I have people that don't know how to pull that information. They don't know how to ask the right questions. So those little subtleties make a big difference. And, and to your ultimate point, I think in the role of the VP of IT, the CIO, the director of IT, if they can't have simple business conversations and understand the impact, then they're in a position they shouldn't be. And, and you're right. 
how many people are in those roles today because they are the most technically talented individual in that organization. But that may not be enough to be the manager of that organization. And, you know, at, at least if I was the CEO, I don't want I don't want the geekiest IT person in that role. I want someone that we can all communicate to and they can decipher what I'm asking for and then deliver it. And and you really need yeah. those skills. Those soft skills, I've argued from many, many years ago, I can take anybody and teach them how to code in the latest language. The harder part is getting them to be able to communicate with the customer and having the soft skills to be good. You know, I've hired people in the help desk, you know, over the last 30 years and those are the tough ones. You bring somebody in, they can answer a question, but they don't answer it in a good fashion where the customer yeah. understands, where the customer appreciates it. You know, they just say, oh, click this button and do this. You'll be fine. And they walk away and the customer, what? You know, and they're still sitting there and they don't know. I'd rather have somebody that says, here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. Did it work for you? How else can I help you? Those other skills will buy you repeat business and get you much yes. further down the line. Plus, if you have those skills and you're in other roles within IT, it pays off in many, many ways. If you're the project manager, if you're the business analyst, even if you're the developer, you know, those soft skills set you apart, I think, in today's world. Yeah, that's so good. I, I uh, had this conversation uh, not so long ago where uh, it was with a customer and it was kind of a classic, Brad, we need help with a return to the office strategy. I know we own a lot of the technologies that we need to um, developed to to really encourage people to come back to the workplace, um, and then it then it centered around what we used before the pandemic doesn't work for us after the pandemic. And this person, you know, had this title in the IT stack with a bunch of acronyms after it, and has a very very deep, long, uh, hard worked for set of skills around a particular brand of, of technology. And after we talked several times on the topic, I, I stopped and I said, you know, what we're, what we're facing is not an engineering problem. What we're facing is a career path problem Boom. because you can't imagine a world where the brand that you have spent so much time developing a skill set in is not the primary brand that you deliver your services with. Uh. And if we can help you understand how to transition your skill set from a from a brand to a leadership right. and a design concept, you'll catch on fire. This problem will all of a sudden not be so big. And that's what happened. And he's crushing it and killing it. And it's because he struggled with adapting his mindset from, I'm used to this brand. I, I've spent years developing my skills in this brand. Um, and, and now I have to do something else. Now he loves it, yeah. but it was a struggle. Well, you know, I learned that a long time ago too. Uh, I have, I don't mm -hmm. care what we buy anymore as far as who makes it. Right. You know, I used to, and, and that was 20, 30 years ago, but I look at my team now and go, oh, you like XYZ as a computer supplier? That's fine with me. I don't yeah. care. I want the best one that's going to be the cheapest 
uh, support us the longest, last the longest, and check all these boxes. At that point, you can pick what you want. If if this product uh, can do what we're looking for, that's great. If it can't, get rid of it. I'm not tied to any product. I'm not tied to any vendor. I'm not tied to any partner. Um, you know, partners are extremely important. That is one that I'll probably be more tied to than anything else. Yeah, but, for sure. But the hardware, what do I care? There, there's no value there anymore. It, you know, a computer is a computer. And the difference between this one and that one is minuscule compared to the services that I need to provide. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's a tough lesson for some people. Some people are really tied to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to ask you a, a, a personal question, and it's really around this thing I think I've seen as I connect with CIOs around the planet and CTOs. And um, what I think I've discovered is it's hard for us to build a community of people who are like-minded and challenge one another to level up, find, think bigger, um, find new ways to innovate. Uh, I, I know that I belong to a number of like associations and groups, um, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about building a circle of people mm -hmm. that kind of help move me forward. Have you figured out how to solve that problem? How do you, how do you find motivation for you to keep thinking big? And that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I haven't found that in any of the groups either. You know, it's the challenge for me. I guess how I do it is I always want to do better. I always want to find a way to improve the business. And, and that's really where I, what I look at. You know, when we sit and we look at our goals and you say, gee, I want to roll this out and I want to roll that out. Okay, what's really the impact to the business? You know, I get excited okay. where we make a half a million pounds of copper a day. So, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of copper. I mean, it that's, really is. That's a little bit. Yeah. So I look at it and say, okay, if, if I can find a technology that will reduce our cost by, you know, a penny per pound, that'll add up and that'll add up big time or yeah. a 10th of a cent per pound. It doesn't matter. You can pick anything you want, but that's how I tend to look at things. And that's how I try to challenge myself and, I try to bring this up with my team on a, on a fairly regular basis. What are we doing to impact the business? How are we trying, you know, to find ways to do just that? So a lot of it is really self-reflection and introspection uh, to continue doing it. it. That's a really interesting comment because I do belong to some groups too. And some groups are just all about being in the group. And, yeah. you know, they, they expose you to some new technologies and things like that, but you don't have... That's a really good question, and that's not one where we ponder those types of questions. I have other groups where it's connecting with other people in other uh, professions and, and those types of things, but yeah, we really don't talk about that. So it's more just me trying to say, okay, how am I making an impact? Yeah, for sure. I love that. And you know, the, the, the bigger groups are, I mean, there's purpose behind it. I belong to them. Yeah. They've got value to me. They're good. Uh, but having a, a smaller circle of IT leaders that challenge me to think bigger are not afraid to say, what's going on in your head, Brad? You know, those kinds of things are so, so important. And it's it's one of the motivations, quite honestly, for this podcast is to try and help, you know, build a sense of community and and, and people to connect with each other. Um, I, Chuck, I've, I've loved this conversation. You, probably don't recognize that we're almost out of time. 
It's been a great conversation with you. I, I'd like to ask you um, uh, a question for those who are listening that might aspire to be a CIO one day, or maybe they're a, a manager and they want to become a VP. What's, what's a good piece of advice that a mentor gave you that you pass on to others for those who, are, who imagine themselves as a leader, not just a doer? Hmm. That's a, that's a, another really good question. Uh, I, I think there's a, a couple of answers to that. I mean, one of the yeah. things is is recognize talent uh, and, and grow talent. Uh, we had somebody apply for a position on the help desk one time, and uh, my help desk manager brought me the resume, and, and she had talked to him. And I looked at the resume, had absolutely no experience, had graduated from college, was basically looking for their first job in IT. So it was one of those, you know, how am I going to get experience if nobody will give it to me? But they had worked uh, at the airport. And this was many years ago when they, they had the uh, people outside the airport grab your luggage. I mean, they're doing it again <laughs> these days, but it was a long time ago. And he had it all written up, what he did. And he said, I deliver superior customer uh, service. And that caught my eye in the resume. And I said, you know, if you like them, hire them, because though that's what I'm looking for. And my point is, is that when you talk to your people or you're looking at new people, there are keywords that set them apart. There are things mm. and, and things that they'll say where you go, that person gets it. Grow that talent. Give people an opportunity. You know, it's it's so gratifying to see people grow through their careers. And uh, as a leader, you know, that's what you should be there for. You know, I'm in the corner office. I'm appreciative that I'm in the corner office. I've worked hard to get to the corner office, but I'm not going to be there forever. You know, so it's <laughs> my job to get people ready for it. And I'm fine with that. You know, one day I'm going to get to retire and, and sit back or I'm going to go someplace else. But I want to have people that have grown while I'm there and have learned, you know, solid traits uh, that will get them prepared for that spot. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we should do and, and we should keep in mind as we deal with our talent. Hey, you know, what can I do to help them today uh, be even better and not worry about them taking your job? If you're doing well, if your team's doing well, everything will fall in line the way that it should. And the, the real question is, how did you improve the, the lives you know, of, of the people that uh, work for you and help you? Yeah, well, that's the drop the mic moment for us today. I, I, I love the conversation, Chuck. I really, really uh, respect what you've shared and, and uh, honor you and the time. Thank you for being so gracious with your time with us. And uh, I just want to say thank you one more time uh, for joining us on Eyes on Impact. Well, thank you, Brad. I, I appreciate it. I thought you had some great questions. You definitely keep me on my toes, but uh, it was all very enjoyable. I, I love the discussion. 